Before getting directly into our gospel text from the third chapter of the gospel according to St. Luke, I believe a little context will be helpful. First, our gospel reading we have John, known as John the Baptist because he is introduced to us in his adult ministry as baptizing people in the Jordan. John is the son of Zechariah, a high priest of the temple, and Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth. Zechariah is the one who was in the Holy of Holies in the temple when the angel of the Lord came to him and told him that his previously barren wife, Elizabeth, would give birth to a son and that they were to name him John. Elizabeth is a family member that Mary, or is the family member that Mary went to see after the Archangel Gabriel visited her and told her that as a virgin she would have a son and to name him Jesus. The relationship between Mary and Elizabeth is not absolutely certain because the word that is used for family member in this particular biblical text can vary in its meaning. And the result is some English translations Just play it safe and say family member. Some will say cousin and some will say sister because it could have been used in any of those ways. But those who trace the various comments about lineages and they look in the text for some kind of clues, you look at the lineage, you look at the location and various other aspects, they typically suggest that it is most likely that Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. So long as we know that they are related and that they are close enough to visit each other, that's really enough for us today. But once Mary knows that she has been or will be miraculously pregnant, even in her virginity, she goes to visit Elizabeth, who is already six months miraculously pregnant from her previous state of being barren. There's a terrific scene when they greet one another, and Luke records it for us. That as Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, that's John, to be John the Baptist in the not-too-distant future, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This passage is filled with important details. Immediately, Elizabeth knows Because John immediately knows. Now, how do we know this? Because the baby, according to Elizabeth, still in the womb, leaped for joy when Mary, and therefore Jesus, came into his presence. If John, knowing who Jesus is, even before either of them is born. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks multiple key things. First, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The first thing Elizabeth does is acknowledge the unique role that Mary has in God's plan. She's blessed 
to be the woman among women. Blessed is Jesus that she is carrying into the world. Then she makes an interesting statement. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Two things to recognize. One, Elizabeth immediately recognizes the reality of all the implications of her experience. The mother of my Lord, the mother of God is here with me. And second, Elizabeth is, whether she realized it or not, more likely not that it was simply a a static statement uh, motivated or guided by the Holy Spirit. But Elizabeth is paraphrasing King David himself when he spoke about the Ark of the Covenant entering Jerusalem. The prophet of Samuel, the prophet Samuel records the words of David for us, where he wrote, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How is it the Ark of the Lord come to me? Very close wording. This bit of narrative links the Ark of the Old Covenant carried by the people of Israel to Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant. Then then Elizabeth says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Again, we have two things to notice. The first is that John knew, even in the womb, the identity of Jesus. Or at least the nature, the God nature of Jesus. The second is, just in case we missed Elizabeth's paraphrase, we are again brought back to that same scene described by the prophet Samuel when he tells us that when the ark was brought into the presence of David, that David danced and leaped for joy in its presence. So we're having a building of parallels here. And finally, Elizabeth states, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Here, Elizabeth, in her closing comments, reaffirms the unique and blessed by God status of Mary, which marks her out from all other women. These are all important things to recognize. Right now, let's concentrate on the fact that John knew the identity, recognized the lordship of Jesus before either of them was ever born. And then we fast forward into John's adulthood. He's living in the wilderness and baptizing people for the sake of repentance in the River Jordan. Luke tells us that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy given by Isaiah, who said that there shall be a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. But the people who were out there that went out into the wilderness, that sought out John, that received his baptism, they didn't understand. Our text from Luke explains that they were questioning and wondering whether or not John might be the Christ, the Messiah. John was quick to answer the question, No, I am not the one. He went on to say, I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Remember that John baptized for repentance, but ultimately Jesus changed baptism to be a baptism for salvation. Peter explains this. Peter, who is prime among the apostles, explains in his first epistle, he writes to us, Baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Now back, looking at Luke's Gospel again, describing for us the words of John the Baptist. John says, I baptize with water for repentance. The Messiah, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit for salvation. John the Baptist goes on, the Messiah will gather the wheat into the barn, the chaff will be burned with an unquenchable fire. Now what does this mean? The kingdom of God, represented here by the barn, is for the wheat, not the chaff. And in any grain that ever grows, there is much more chaff, the stalk, the leaves, and everything else, than there is grain. In fact, the amount of grain compared to chaff is extremely small. And unlike the wonderful sounding words of many a person in pulpits today, not everyone is a seed of grain. Not everyone gets in. Vastly more people do not get in than do get in. This reality is expressed by the words of Jesus himself when he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those that enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now to be sure the last portion is not misunderstood or misused, I must briefly address something that I've seen online more than a few times. I have seen multiple memes going around that have with a few different pictures that are supposedly representing the appearance of heaven with the words superimposed over the image. Remember, heaven has a gate, a wall, and extreme vetting. A quick review of the so-called extreme vetting, also written for us by Luke, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Both sides of the political divide need to stop abusing the faith to justify their personal prejudices and preferences. The reason that there is so much more chaff than there is wheat is simply that the majority of the world does not want to and is not willing to call upon Jesus to save them. Well, finally, from our Gospel text for today, we see that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in the form of a dove, and the voice of God the Father announced from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, I want to point out here that there is some confusion among some people about this proclamation. There is a sizable number, a troubling number of people who believe a heresy called adoptionism. Adoptionism teaches that it is at the moment of Jesus' baptism and this proclamation, Behold, you are my beloved Son, that Jesus became the Son of God. Not very God of very God, not begotten, not made, not co-eternal with the Father, not any of the things that we confess as Christians, but simply a normal, regular guy who so impressed the Father that the Father decided to adopt him 
as his son. These adoptionists point to the baptismal proclamation as evidence for their belief. The trouble is that adoptionism cannot be the case when we read of the Archangel Gabriel explaining the nature of Jesus to Mary before the miraculous conception. The trouble is the adoptionist cannot, adoptionism cannot be the case when John, still in the womb, recognizes Jesus as Lord and leaps and dances in the womb of Elizabeth before Mary, the new ark of the Lord, just as David leaps and dances before the old ark of the Lord. And the trouble with adoptionism cannot be the case when the Apostle John tells, tells us that it, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, without any prompting other than that by the Holy Spirit, John recognizes Jesus as Messiah. And this is while Jesus was still approaching, meaning before he was baptized. The pronouncement, therefore, was clearly for the benefit of those who were listening. All those people who were gathered around and the opening of our passage saying, is John the one? Is he the Messiah? Is this the way we're going to get to the Father? That questioning that elicited the response from John saying, no, I'm not the Messiah, but the Messiah is on the way. And then Jesus arrives on the scene and is baptized. At that point, the heavens are open and God answers the concerns of the people with his proclamation. Those people who want to know who the Messiah is. Those that are looking, trying to find how it is they're going to get to the Father. God says to them, and through the recording of the story to us, listen here. This is the one. This is my son. This is Jesus, the Messiah. You want to know the way? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to me except through him. Now today, all around us are great numbers of people who are looking for the way. The spiritual but not religious. The mindfulness crowd. The chasing after Eastern mysticism crowd. The picking and choosing from a hundred different spiritualities and forms of faith alternatives. Cherry picking their favorite bits so that they can try to find something that seems natural to them to get to him. Each time asking, is this the way? Is this the one? Is this the method that will get me where I'm trying to go? And God answers today, just as he did then. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Follow him and you will get to me. Amen. Let us stand.